In this episode of Dermatologist Talks Science of Beauty, we're going to be chatting about the science behind the nanoparticle impregnated biofunctional textiles under my biomaterials arm um, of Dr. TWR Dermaceuticals. I have with me here Chelsea, um, you know, who is also suffering from masne, like many of us. Um, you know, in this year 2020, when we are having to wear the face mask for purposes of uh, pandemic control, it's a public health measure. Now, Chelsea, you're 19 this year and you've suffered from acne outbreaks in the past. How has face mask wearing changed your skin? Would you like to share with us a bit more about that? Hi, Dr. Tu. Yes, I have had some breakouts in the past. Um, but generally in the forehead area. So after having to wear face masks, especially for longer periods of time, I've definitely noticed more breakouts around my chin area and just the lower part of my face in general. Now, that's very consistent with the phenomenon which we now know as masne, uh, which I described as being distinct from physiologic or hormonal acne uh, patterns in uh, my research letter in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. So for masne, we find that the pattern of involvement is centered around what we call the ozone of the face, uh, which essentially is the area that is covered or occluded by a face mask. Now, um, what you experienced in the past around the forehead, on the nose, that's likely um, according to the pattern of physiologic acne of um, adolescence, for example. Adult females tend to have a pattern of acne um, around the jawline, what we term as the U-zone of the face, um, and that is often associated with hormonal fluctuations. Um, an underlying hormonal disorder, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, may be suspected if the um, you know individual also has irregular menstrual cycles and excess hair growth. Now today, I want to share more about my area of research. Uh, which is in the science of metallic nanoparticles uh, incorporated into textiles, um, which have antioxidant um, bactericidal effects that um, can be used as adjunct therapy in the treatment of various skin disorders. The mass from the biomaterials range um, are incorporated with uh, metallic nanoparticles that are selected on the basis of their known bactericidal properties. So um, there's a difference between the terms, you know, that's broadly used by laypersons like antimicrobial, uh, which basically just means that, you know, there is some uh, benefit in resisting the growth of bacteria, um, etc. But in medical terms, it is quite specific. We, we kind of, um, you know, specify if it is a bactericidal or a bacteriostatic effect, for example example of a um, disinfectant, right? So um, the thing with materials that have been used for um, the skin microbiome um, in diseases such as eczema, um, we have used silver and zinc nanoparticles um, incorporated into textiles um, to um, you know, improve the, the skin 
flora of uh, individuals who suffer from eczema and it's used as a part of evidence-based uh, adjunct therapy. So the reason is because um, changes in the skin microbiome are uh, directly related to uh, the development of many skin conditions. And of course, what's very relevant these days would be MASNI. And um, in my white paper on MASNI published in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology um, in October this year, um, I discussed how the evolution of MASNI is directly related to uh, the occlusive effect of uh, wearing a textile over your skin and how biofunctional textiles um, such as incorporated uh, with, uh, with the Qons nanoparticles, the uh, copper nanoparticles and um, you know, other metallic ions uh, can be of value in treating the skin microbiome without incurring uh, antibiotic resistance. And I know that you have recently just launched two other new masks. Can you tell us more about that? So um, the two other masks that we are launching now, uh, the Zinc Cool Mask, um, is impregnated with zinc nanoparticles, and zinc has been uh, established in um, the the use of uh, you know topical zinc, for example, for the treatment of um, acne in terms of regulating sebum production, uh, as well as its known anti-inflammatory effects. Now um, the key. Uh, feature about MASNI um, and its microenvironment is also that increase in uh, moisture, temperature, and humidity. These uh, form a specific microclimate that can increase the growth of microorganisms leading to skin disease and also um, can increase the occurrence of um, heat-related dermatosis. So we're familiar with hyperhidrosis. Now, some individuals have facial hyperhidrosis, so excessive sweating predominantly over the face, and that can be a source of social embarrassment. Um, cholinergic carrier um, is a type of heat-related rash, and then malaria itself, which we know, um, you know, is quite commonly as as just heat rash. Now, white is chosen because of its ability to, uh, you know, reflect heat. So, um, the key thing though with white is that, um, you know, it often is is uh, prone to staining, and you know, clearly for women who wear foundation and lipstick, uh, we're concerned. Right? If you're wearing a white mask, if it's just if it's going to stain the inside of the mask, so um, this particular zincol textile is engineered with what we call whiter than white um, technology, which is uh, basically you know what makes it a self-cleaning textile. So it's been proven to be um, actively bactericidal. So bactericidal means it kills bacteria on contact um, versus you know uh, something that maybe say just antimicrobial, which means it's probably bacteriostatic. Um, slightly superior in terms of uh, you know uh, preventing the growth of bacteria, but the contact of the zinc nanoparticles on skin means that it kills the uh, microorganisms on skin, and it also, of course, um, by virtue of the uh, special coating on it, um, is resistant to permanent stains. So when your makeup or your foundation gets on it, it uh, washes off really easily with just a simple gentle detergent, and these masks can all be uh, hand washed. Um, you know, with just uh, soap and water and uh, over time this will help to maintain the integrity of the mask and it's also more hygienic. 
The Osmium Blue Mask is your most recent release. I love the dark blue color. It's perfect for the festive season too. Tell us more about where you got your inspiration behind the unique blue-black metallic color. Now for the new Osmium Blue Mask, which is uh, engineered from the same material as the Qion standard, original Qion standard particle mask, um, it's actually in a brand new shade, and it's um, a, a shade that is inspired by the uh, element, which is a metal, Osmium. It's the rarest metal in the Earth's crust, and in its natural state, it is blue-black in color. Now, um, you know, I found that very fascinating, um, you know, how there is a science behind uh, metallic color perception and why, you know, there, there is actually uh, evidence, right, in studies done that people do indeed prefer uh, metallic colors, you know, like bling, uh, simply because of um, the increased glossiness and shine of, of um, the, the object that has this this metallic quality to it so you know uh, i'm one person that's not uh very into loud kind of uh bling right so like gold or silver or big accessories so my favorite color is actually um my favorite colors are blue and black so uh i basically um you know attempted to incorporate the elements of my favorite color um blue and black and also by virtue of the fact that the textile itself is composed of uh actual metal uh, nanoparticles we're able to create a brand new um, sort of sheen that um, you know we call the osmium blue finish uh, the, the key thing about this is um, you know as our photographer who, who photographed it said that you know it's very challenging because it actually reflects light from every single angle and you know there's something uh, um, you know slightly poetic about that I, I feel because um, in 2020, um, you know, certainly it's an understatement to say that it's been a very uncertain year and um, you know, with a lot of major changes right to the entire world landscape. So, uh, well, you know, out of this uh, doom and gloom, I guess the, the fabric mask has emerged somewhat as a symbol of um, hope um, and you know, in Singapore, for example, where there is widespread uh, enforcement of mask wearing, um, it, it also symbolizes unity of sorts. So um, the, the metallic sheen, right, that comes out of this blue and black, so both rather uh, heavy, uh, you know, colors that, that uh, communicate a sense of, um, you know, a, 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 something which is a bit more serious and, and dark so that the metallic tones actually bring out um, this element of hope. And, um, you know, I feel that uh, in time, just in time for the festive season as well, um, it, it's, uh, you know, a, a cheerful reminder that not all is lost for the year. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about your inspiration behind the color of the Osmium Blue Mask. It's such a great message, too. Well, moving on a little bit, so there are so many different types of face masks out there. Surgical masks, N95, fabric masks. Which type of face mask is the most effective? And do face masks have expiry dates? So the issue with um, expiry 
of um, say surgical N95 mask has to do with the deterioration uh, primarily of the uh, material that would affect its uh, either filtration ability or in the case of the surgical mask, um, you know, the ability uh, to be water uh, impermeable, droplet resistant, that plays a role in, um, you know, preventing the, the droplet transmission of uh, infectious diseases like COVID. Um, of course, as a, a manufacturer, for example, if you are a manufacturer of disposable masks, then um, the certifications uh, actually require labeling of the manufacturer date. And if it were to be used beyond um, the uh, you know date that is uh, stipulated to be the expiry of disposable masks, then batch testing has to be conducted in order to recertify that the filtration and uh, droplet resistance uh, properties are, are still intact. The thing with reusable fabric masks is that um, it is currently not regulated, but the public health recommendation stands. Um, as I mentioned in uh, my book on MASNI and also referenced in my, my white paper, um, the wearing of fabric mask is a um, efficient public health recommendation. Now, clearly, because um, the textile, any form of a textile covering, um, as long as it is worn over the orifices, so the nose, the mouth area, is able to limit to a certain extent the uh, droplet spread. For example, when you're talking and you're coughing or breathing, and overall, it's going to contain the biofluids that's responsible for you know spreading the, the the pandemic, right? Um, however, the, the key thing to note here is uh, the type of textile from what we already know about different types of fabric, of course, affects the skin. And, um, you know, we, we have covered, you know, the, the effects of biofunctional materials uh, on the skin microbiome, right? And how that influences the development of skin diseases and the skin microclimate, which really directly re relates to factors that you uh, consider as breathability, right? Which uh, encompasses encompasses a lot of things like the ability to uh to move uh, your jaw, for example, freely when you're speaking, to feel comfortable wearing a mask when you're speaking, because obviously that's when we do want the mask on. Um, having a metallic nose bridge, for example, is uh, not uh, necessary. Neither is it, um, you know, uh, a good um, a good. Um, feature to have from a dermatologist's point of view for, for the purpose of, um, you know, just public wear, right, to limit biofluid spread. So we're not clearly not talking about in medical settings where, uh, you know, we, we directly want to protect the individual wearing the mask from the uh, aerosols, okay? So um, COVID-19 has been proven to be uh, airborne to, to, some, to a large extent as well and, and transmission via asymptomatic individuals. What type of fabric should I choose for my face mask? Does it make a difference for my skin? What we know, for example, of textiles like cotton, linen, silk, well, these, uh, they promote a, a healthier skin microclimate, right? Uh, that, and that means that there is generally, um, you know, less retention of heat, uh, better wicking of moisture. But the fundamental problem, and that's why I do not recommend, for example, silk mask at all, right, um, is because of the 
lack of uh, durability and the integrity of of the textile it plays a, a very very large and crucial role in, in terms of the function of a facial covering during a pandemic so as we know, silk in our wardrobe already should not be something that you can launder, you know, with just a regular detergent or put in a washing machine, right? Uh, because it is a very, very delicate textile and it's prone to rips and tears. And we search and it's also much lighter, right? And and I'm not sure as to how effective that is um, in terms of containing your biofluids, right? And and actually um it's very it's definitely not water resistant and um i i feel that practically speaking it's is not going to uh, do a very good job of uh, containing your your biofluids right um but the other aspect about the care of silk is when you're using a reusable face mask right you are um wanting to um have a textile that can be laundered uh, and, uh, you know, if you are very concerned about, um, you know, odors, especially when it's something that's covering your, your mouth and your nose, um, the face mask is, is something that will smell because of the uh, respiratory nasal droplets and moist environment coming into contact with it for a prolonged period of time. So um, being able to wash the textile at high temperatures, for example, in a washing machine, um, immediately excludes the, the use of materials like silk. Okay? And um, you know, dry cleaning in, in the uh, context of the COVID pandemic, I, I think it's, it's really very impractical. And um, it's also very questionable as to the, the hygiene of uh, such masks when they are being used. Reading your white paper on maskne, you propose the ideal face mask design based on biofunctional textiles. Can you tell us about the features of biofunctional textiles and how it affects our skin? Now, um, going back to the topic of the uh, expiry date of, for example, these biofunctional textiles, which are unique because uh, they're actually metals that are incorporated into textiles. So there are two main components here to discuss. So the first is how um, effectively are the metallic ions being uh, incorporated into textiles. So it is a permanent incorporation that uh, does not wash out when you are laundering it okay so um by virtue of this fact uh, the in the permanent incorporation means that as long as the textile does not lose its integrity uh, there should be no significant loss of the metallic ions that are impregnated in the textile. And the activity, the function of these uh, textiles exists simply because on in when it's in contact with these metallic ions, the uh, bactericidal function, um, you know, it, it, it uh, helps to, uh, to treat the skin microbiome. But, um, you know, of course, if there are visible rips and tears, same with any textile, uh, then you should not continue to use it uh, as a, a fabric, as a face mask, right? Because, um, you know, we do not want any um, loss of structural integrity to affect the, the, the effectiveness of um, the uh, fabric mask in terms of uh, biofluid containment. I know that the biofunctional textile in your new mask line is made out of synthetic fibers. What is the difference between natural and synthetic fibers and can you explain the benefits and disadvantages?
Um, the other thing, of course, is is a synthetic material. So synthetic materials, as opposed to natural materials like cotton, linen, silk, um, they are water resistant. Now. Uh, the traditional recommendation by dermatologists has always been to wear, um, you know, breathable clothing, and that's usually from natural fibers, from plant fibers. So, um, linen, cotton, these are, are considered breathable materials. But in the context of a pandemic where you're wearing it over your mask, there are some unique considerations, which is the uh, high moisture levels would mean that these natural fibers, which naturally also absorb and retain water are going to get very heavy and saturated and that contributes to what we call the accumulated stickiness sensation, a term used in material science um, that would um, you know, reduce the, the user's comfort and that you know, certainly something we don't want because compliance is the most important thing when we're advocating this uh, widespread use of uh, fabric masks, right? So it's only going to be effective if everyone does it. So you only need one weak link for for the entire chain to, to collapse, right? And, and then um, it's is simply um, you know out of control. So um, I feel that the important point here to make is the distinction between natural and synthetic fibers has to be made in terms of its effect on the skin microclimate on the skin microclimate. So for natural fibers, it has a beneficial effect on the skin microclimate, but the uh, trade-off is is lack of. Um, uh, water resistance because in this case we want it to be water uh, repellent okay droplet resistant so that you uh, do not let the biofluids get beyond the textile itself and that's an important feature for example of the surgical mask but the second feature of course is their durability so natural fibers unfortunately are not durable they can't be um, you know uh, laundered at at high temp at the same high temperatures and uh, they may also show um, disintegrations much quicker. So um, biofunctional textiles um, have the best of both worlds, right? So this is the concept that I, I spoke about in my research paper because um, they're treated with specific factors that increase the uh, evaporation coefficient. So they are actually synthetic fibers, but because of the way it's been treated and plus the fact that they are incorporated with these specific metallic ions, nanoparticles, that um, directly treat the skin microbiome without the use of antibiotics, right? Killing bacteria without medication. Um, they hold a lot of promise for being, uh, you know, adjunct therapeutics in uh, the treatment of various skin conditions that is covered by the, the face mask, for example. And also, um, it's of much more practical value in, in the current pandemic. Well, thank you again, Dr. Teo, for giving us this essential guide on the type of face mask we should be wearing and tips on how to care for it. Well, that about sums up the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.